The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. Help support the show by clicking on the donate button on the website or in the show notes. This is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame. If you are in the Los Angeles area on September 22nd, join me at the Los Angeles Center of Photography, where I'll be doing a presentation. There, I'll be speaking about my work as a photographer and a podcaster. Doors open at 6.30 p.m., and my presentation begins at 7.30, and it's all free. You can find out more by visiting the Los Angeles Center of Photography website at lacphoto.org or just look at the show notes. A lot of photographers are self-taught. They teach themselves how to use a camera, how to use software, and if they're dutiful, they come to develop a unique style and approach to photography. But the next question is, what do you do with all that? Some of us pursue careers as professional photographers, while others look for outlets in the fine art world. And if they can find a community that helps to nurture and encourage their creativity, they're happy. Today's guest, Jaime Ibarra, found his journey as a photographer being shaped by the interest and curiosity that other photographers had in his work. Like many, he was posting his images online, and people began asking themselves and each other, how does he do this? How does he make these amazing photographs? He saw a lot of theories that attempted to answer those questions, but as he readily admits, most of them were wrong. And it was in that space that he saw an opportunity to share his approach and his technique with others. This provided him a wonderful opportunity to pursue his own personal vision and passion without the restrictions of typical commercial work. He was able to create what he wanted to create, and the only person he had to satisfy was himself. And the fact that others wanted to learn how he did what he did provided him a unique opportunity to dedicate years to improving his skills as a photographer. You know, one of the things I'm, I'm real curious about uh, about you is that uh, you're a musician. You started off as yes. a fl- uh, flamenco guitarist. I became a flamenco guitarist. I don't. I wouldn't say I started off as that. Okay. Well, t- well but, tell me uh, how you how you got into that. Did you grow up in a household where where there's always music? What, what was what inspired that appeal? No, I actually I didn't. Um, I started playing guitar before I was even ten, and my mother thought it was a uh, something that she wanted to do and bought a guitar and then it just sat in the corner and I was just like why is no one using this so I made it my business to pick it up and start learning it you know the best I could with no lessons or anything yeah. but it just I've been playing my as far as I can remember actually flamenco is something that I found later in life as you as you try to climb musical music mountain you know you try to find something that's more challenging to play and trying to trying to better myself and i ultimately i I felt like it was the the ultimate guitar music if you can conquer flamenco or at least become adept at it you're doing pretty good were you listening to a lot of music when you were younger is that oh yes 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 so was that part of the appeal when you saw the guitar sitting there in the corner I have many guitars sitting around me here. I'm surrounded. But when you were younger, I mean, did you see that, you know, you saw the guitar in the corner, but you were actively listening to music and thinking, 
you know, I want to create it myself. Was that part of the allure? I don't, I don't, I don't uh, know that I could answer that question. I mean, eventually, as soon as I was able to, I started trying to create my own music, and, and eventually, I was able to compose songs, and 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 then that just took over. You know, you you go through this phase of learning other people's songs, of course, right? And uh, it's like with photography. You know, you try to learn lessons from other photographers, and so I wanted to figure out if I could replicate that. You know, and but it's through it's through imitation i think that's part of the, the learning process you know and then, then you create your own way to go about it i'm amazed by a flamenco guitarist i just love the the sound that they're able to pull out of that 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 instrument it's very expressive i think and yeah yeah it is and i think it's 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 really interesting that both as a photographer and as a flamenco guitarist you get to sort of express yourself emotionally, but you're using very different, different tools. Yes. Is that, is that, is that, that, that linkage something that you you've always been aware of? I, I'm going to blame a number of things on that, but the, I think that um, I have a, I have a, a, a condition called synesthesia that is something that I've always tried to, I don't, I don't know how to phrase it, find peace with, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, where you can, I don't know if you're aware of what synesthesia is, but there's a, there's a, basically there's a wire cross between two of your senses. And um, some people with synesthesia can say, smell numbers. And some can, can, you know, hear things that produce no sound. Whereas in my, in my case, I actually hear color. I have a color slash sound association. So colors have, uh, basically there's a, a note attached to when, when one color touches another color, when those come in contact with each other, it produces a, a, a musical tone, mm-hmm. almost like you just walked over to the keyboard and pressed a key, you know. And I think music for me became a way to try to make some, some harmony out of this. And then ultimately, I think photography or doing graphic design or, or painting became a further uh, exploration than, than that. It's just trying to find a... a, a an amount of uh, peace in my head because I've always had this. I've never known what it's like to not have it. So who, who knows? Who knows where music or what inspired me to do music? Or I think that may have something to do with it. Perhaps I'm not really sure. So when you see two juxtapositions of color, are you hearing sort of like a a, a singular note like that's played on a piano, like a staccato, or is it like a? Uh, a note that you're holding or it doesn't sound like a, an instrument it's just uh, the best way i can describe it is just a tone it's a musical tone okay it doesn't it doesn't sound like a saxophone or a piano or anything like that but there is a there is a frequency to it clearly you know people have asked me before well what what does red sound like well this, it doesn't really work that way it, uh, mm. basically if 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 a particular red comes into contact with a like a particular blue then there's a single tone produced from the union of those two, or the contact of those two. That's basically how it works. And then if then if another color, say, comes into contact with the red and the blue, well, now you have two more two more points of contact, and then you have two more tones right there. So now with these three colors touching each other, so let's just say you now have three tones produced, or the equivalent of what's a chord on a musical instrument. When did you realize that what you were experiencing was 
wasn't being experienced by everyone else. Did this happen where you're from? I was actually, I was not quite 30 years old. Oh, wow. Before, before I ever even knew. I had a guitar, one of my guitar students asked me one day during a lesson, she goes, do you have synesthesia, Jaime? And I remember thinking, I remember saying, oh, oh gosh, I hope not. What, I don't even know what that is. Is there, is there a cream for that? She's like, no, because I asked because, well, she asked me because she noticed that I speak in terms of colors sometimes when I'm speaking of music. And she and her husband, it turns out, was involved in a, in a study of synesthesia. And he brought a lot of that study home oh, at, wow. at, at the end of the day. So she learned a lot about it through there. But that she heard me, but she picked up on me saying some things that made her go, hmm. But it was her husband, ultimately, that that I went to go visit. And he determined in about five minutes, yes, I do have synesthesia. And that was also when I found out what synesthesia even was. I didn't even know. I'd never even heard that word until she mentioned it to me. What, what did you feel when you found out that you had this thing that was... Uh, you know, unknown thing. It may not have been familiar to everybody. Was did you feel a certain sense of relief? Is like, oh, now I, I can put a name to it. I didn't know what to think, to be honest with you, because I've never felt like there was anything wrong with me. Of course, because I mean, uh, this is the way it's always been. So I never thought like, oh, I, this is a handicap or this is a, mm -hmm. a problem. It's, it's just something that I've always known. So I never looked at it negatively. But it, it's taken me years to, I guess, attempt to wrap my head around the, you know, what it must be like to not have this or to not perceive colors the way that I do, just as I would imagine is just as, as difficult for someone who is not a synesthete to imagine what it's like to be one. Right. I, I, I know nothing else but this. So how did you, you know, move from your career and, and being a musician to, picking up a, a camera? What led to, to you picking up one instrument and then uh, not necessarily replacing it? I, I, I've never sat the guitar down because, but I mean, I did make money with it for a good long while. And, but I was in a point in my life where I was young and I was able to take chances and, you know, go out on the road and, and play shows. And I was signed with a record label for five years. And I, I did that whole thing and it was fun, but is also not a uh, reliable source of income. So uh, later on in life, I started, uh, I taught myself graphic design and became good enough to, to, to you know, earn money with it. You know, I, I freelanced for a while and I, and I went on to work for a few companies. And, and then it was, it was during, during one of my jobs that I had in the industry of NASCAR, of all things, where they said, well, Jaime, you can do graphics. Surely you can take yeah. a photo too. And I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe. And they handed me the this this cheap little uh, Nikon Coolpix camera that the IT department had. And I was told to go take the photos that they wanted me to take. And I, was, I just gave it a go. But then the more I did it, the more I enjoyed it. You know, and it's just, it's just something that I, I discovered in my NASCAR days. Very soon after I, I bought my first SLR camera, my digital SLR camera back at the end of, I think, at the end of 2004, maybe the end of 2005. Mm -hmm. And it just took off from there. Was it like, was it like uh, your time with a guitar that you were largely teaching yourself how to use it? Uh-huh, yeah. Did the experience of learning how to play the guitar 
did that that whole that you know the way that you talked yourself did that help you in terms of being able to pick up the camera and figure it out and being able to express yourself as aptly as you did with the guitar i think it it if nothing else it taught me that i can teach myself something okay you know i can teach myself something that maybe others perceive as difficult to teach yourself i don't know but just my it, it helped my confidence if nothing else i would say so you're known for the work that you do not just with the camera but what you do in photoshop i mean i was looking at uh, some of the clips that you sent me of your, your video tutorials and, and to be quite frank man uh, you do work that is beyond me <laughs> you know it's just like the, the attention to oh, the detail you. that you put into making these amazing uh, photographs um, is is great. And one of the things that I, I like uh, about what I was seeing is that you start very simply. Uh, you work with one camera, one lens, and the rest of it is your imagination and what you can do in mm -hmm. in, in in Photoshop. Um, talk to me about you know that whole process about working so simply. Was it just that you just needed to get the shot because you knew that the bulk of the of what you wanted to achieve had to be done on the computer and it wasn't going to be feasible just doing it within the camera? I, you know, honestly, it came from, it, it all stemmed from when I started photography, I was basically, uh, I wasn't making enough money to buy uh, a bunch of lenses and camera bodies and, or lights or any of that stuff. You know, I was, I was fortunate just to have the one camera and the one lens that I had. And I certainly didn't have the money or the resources to, to build these elaborate sets, if you will, that I, that I would have imagined in my head. But at that point in my life, Photoshop and I were quite familiar with each other. And I started thinking about ways to make that work for me and make it work for the photos I was producing or the images I was producing. So it, it stemmed from uh, being poor, mm. basically. Mm. But then in those years of exploring it, I started to just really enjoy it more and more and more and more. And, and, you know, to, it wasn't until, you know, about a year ago that I even owned my first studio light. I've never used lighting or any kind of, it, it, nothing other than my camera and the one lens that I, that I, that I would use at any given point in time. I just, that's all I ever own. Yeah. One camera, one lens. And I just think it's just, just, I just like to keep it simple. Where were you deriving your your inspiration? Because uh, I look at the I look at the, the the portraits that you make, and they're sort of like fashion, sort of glamour, sort of fine art. You know, there are a lot of people who are trying to do this kind of work, but um, I, I think that your images have a a very unique quality to them that I really enjoy. But I was I was curious as to think. Okay, well, Who's inspiring? Is it other photographers? Is it painters? Is it, you know, what, what exactly is it? I, to be honest with you, I don't follow a lot of other photographers because I know that, well, something I learned with music early on too is that there was these, there's some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guitarists out there and I would love their music so much and I would emulate it. And then I was concerned about, you know, I'm, I don't want to be, you know, too influenced by them. I want to have my own voice in it. And that pretty much applies to photography as well. Cause I'm too, I'm so easily influenced by things that I fall in love with visually that, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to become known for, 
you know, emulating other things. And so I just, I want to keep it as a clean slate as possible. So I think with photography, a lot of my inspiration comes from, you know, music or maybe a, a line, a, a line of lyrics from a song maybe inspires an idea or I have uh, a number of my favorite eye candy movies that I would like to just pop in and just watch. I can turn the volume off and just watch them just get all kinds of ideas from that. And, but my, my goal is to not attempt to copy anything that I'm seeing. I, it's just, it's just an impetus for an idea stuff I've dreamed about. I mean, I don't, I don't know. There's so many forms of inspiration that come to me. I just, but I like, I like my inspiration to come as much as possible from my own mind, you know? Yeah. You can't help but be influenced by other things. You can't, possibly shut that off there's no way to do that but but i try try to be my own man i guess what led you though to to use photoshop in the way that you do because i think well when i think about photography and i think about um a lot of people will start with the camera and thinking about what they can do with the camera and then it's usually photoshop is sort of not necessarily considered as powerful as important a tool as you and some other photographers eventually make it in order to be able to achieve it. So did you find that you were trying to make pictures and then feeling frustrated by the limitations of the camera and you felt like, man, this camera is not going to give me out of the box what I need. So I need to learn how to use this, this piece of software in order to achieve that vision. Or were you just playing around and realizing, oh, I can do this and I can do that? I knew I knew my my Photoshop skill level early on before I even owned the first camera I ever owned. So that you know having that under my belt okay. probably helped a lot. But but like I was saying earlier, I didn't have the money or the resources to, to build sets or or to go out on these you know these fantastic locations that everyone likes to journey to. I just didn't have the resources financially available to me to do that. But then what I did have was, you know, an intimate knowledge of Photoshop. I think ultimately that's where that came from. And years of experimenting, of course. Did You you said you were doing stuff for, for, for NASCAR. Um, what kind of stuff were you, were you initially doing with, um, with the camera and with your skills in, in, in Photoshop when you were working for clients? I wasn't doing much when I was working in the NASCAR industry. I wasn't doing much with the camera. I was mainly doing... Uh, graphics and video editing you know, graphics for their website and things like that you know, occasionally the, 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 the there would be a need for me to shoot some photos of somebody but that's what that's what kind of led me to pick up photography because I, I loved i loved mm -hmm. taking the photos mm -hmm. i didn't love what i was shooting though okay that didn't interest me that was purely for the paycheck i was like i just i, I always felt so disappointed I was like, I love taking photos, but I hate what I'm shooting right now. But couldn't this be a better thing? Yes, it probably could, but I'll need my own camera to make sure that that happens. So when when was the moment when you when you found your your niche, for lack of a better word, where you found the thing that you loved photographing that you didn't mind spending, you know, hours working on? Because you know, I think when I bought my first camera, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to shoot, uh, nature or, or architecture or what fruit bowls of fruit mm -hmm. i didn't know and um but i found out very quickly that what i love shooting are humans 
And then more specifically, you know, I like shooting striking looking humans. And then and you can, as, as the, as the, 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 the needle became sharper, of, you know, of my vision, you know, I, I like, I like shooting females and, and that's what I like to shoot. Yeah. Plain and simple. I'm not going to call it anything other than that. <laughs> I do shoot, I do shoot the occasional male, but it's, uh, it's, it's rare compared to the rest of my work, I think. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see how you'll photograph these women in these, you know, really ordinary settings. Sometimes it's look, it looked like it was like your kitchen or something. Uh, yeah. And then you just take all those distracting elements out and you put them in a completely different location. And that for me is fun to see you doing it. Because I, 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 just to see where you go from A to B is is phenomenal. I really enjoyed watching the uh, the clips that I was able to see because it's like, that's fantastic. So when you're thinking about the shot, are you actively sort of shooting backgrounds and then pulling from them? Or how does that work between, you know, how you work in terms of photographing your model, having the backgrounds? How does that how does all that come together? How does it gel? I have a I have a huge, huge, huge library of you know basically my own stock photos that I've taken and I continue to take, and they're just interesting textures. Or you know, I'll see a really cool wall somewhere, and I'll just take a photo of that. And then knowing not necessarily when or how or what which photo I'm going to use that in, I just know that that's a thing that I would use. That's an yeah. element that grabbed my attention. So I have terabytes of this stuff on my computer. And that's just my, that's just for compositing purposes. So I'm always shooting stuff like that. And I know I just, it's rare that I am shooting with a model and thinking in my head, I'm going to put, I'm going to, Oh, I'm going to use that green wall that I shot five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I, I, I shoot the model first and then, kind of centered around what she's wearing or maybe the expression on her face or any number of things, then I'll start exploring the, the, the compositing elements from there. Did you find that you were picking people who you knew or were you actively searching for? Lar yeah, largely I'm shooting, I was shooting people that I knew. Um, and I've always shot with a very small handful of people. Um, I've never been one of these photographers that likes to shoot as many models as possible. Mm -hmm. um, I prefer to, I prefer to really get to know someone, you know, right. because when you get that, when there's a connection there, you know, when you know someone better than, you know, someone that you've just shot the first time, I think the, the photos that once that connection happens the photos almost take themselves. And uh, I just like that, the, that familiarity that I have with that person. I've, I've just I've always preferred that for whatever reason, but I think it's just because is that connection is perhaps the most important thing to me in my work is that is that I'll I'll spend if I know you know if I have thirty minutes to shoot with somebody I would rather speak with them talk to them get to know them for say twenty twenty minutes of those thirty minutes mm -hmm. because I think that's time better spent for you know what i'm trying to get out of it anyway because try to get that connection connect at all costs that's my that's my thing 
Did you find it uh, a challenge to communicate with them what you wanted in terms of uh, the photograph? Or, or were you pretty much creating in a situation where they could give you something and you would capture it? I tried my best to, to explain what it is that maybe I am imagining, but more often than not, I just kind of go with what happens, you know, and I don't, uh, I do, I do like to seize the helm when it comes to, you know, having control mm-hmm. over the image, but I don't want to make someone do something that they wouldn't have otherwise normally done. I never ask someone to smile. I never ask someone to act sad or act angry. It's like, if I want someone to smile, that's my job is to elicit that from them, isn't it? You know, I'm gonna, if I want someone to smile, I better turn up the, the funny knob mm-hmm. and get that smile out of them naturally. I'm not going to say, okay, smile, or, or pretend you're sad, or act this way, or act that way. It's, it's, it's that connection, I think, and you know, knowing what, what is going to make that person smile or laugh or, or kind of look a little bit upset or whatever. Just knowing if you connect with somebody and you know what these things are, like which buttons to push emotionally, and then um, it's a more, it's un- unquestionably, it's a more natural expression. When, when did you realize that you were not necessarily really good at this, but what did you... Was there a moment or a particular photograph where you felt like, oh, man, I'm really getting this? A moment that really got you excited about what you were doing that moved you beyond simply, you know, being adept technically, that you were creating pictures that that you felt really communicated what you were feeling? That's a hard question to answer, to be honest with you. I think one of the first such photos anyway was... um, I was given an opportunity to shoot um, Rachel Bryce, who is one of the premier tribal belly dancers in the world today. And she basically invented the, the, the whole tribal belly dance thing. The way that you see tribal belly dancers nowadays, the way they dress, that's mm-hmm. because of Rachel Bryce. Rachel Bryce invented that look. She's kind of like the, the Jimi Hendrix of modern belly dance. She took it and made it, made it into her own style, like, you know, not just with the dance itself, but with the wardrobe and everything. But she's always so intense when you see her, you know, all the photos of her, just, just, she just, her, she's like, her personality just is lava and intensity. And I remember I was given about maybe 10 minutes to shoot with her in her dressing room backstage of a performance that she was doing. And I was able to make her smile. I remember, I remember thinking, I need to get some photos of her not smiling. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was the challenge, I thought, at the time. But then I remember going, it's okay to shoot her smiling. No one else has. Like, it's almost like no one's taken a photo of her smiling. But I did it. And that, that I think, was the eye-opener for me. Like, I, I pierced through her her wall of, of, of seriousness mm. because she's a nice person, you know, and, uh, but that, that taught me maybe, maybe, maybe I, maybe people enjoy speaking with me. You know, maybe I have something, if I can, if I can create a photo of Rachel Price that no one else has ever taken before, at least getting a side of her that no one else has seemed to have, I hate the word captured, but that's a side of her that no one else had seemed to capture. If they have, I wasn't aware of it, but 
You work, as you mentioned, when you work very simply, one camera, one lens. What what are you using? <clears throat> right now, I am uh, using a little Fujifilm, I think it's XXE2, mm-hmm. um, with a 35, 35 millimeter equivalent prime on it. For several years prior to the Fujifilm, I was using Canon 5Ds. I've owned a Mark 1, 2, and 3 mm-hmm. also. Um, but that thing is heavy. That's a heavy, heavy camera. And that gets tiresome at the end of the day. And it's not, well, maybe it's not so much the weight of it, but it's not It's not as easy just to lug around everywhere I go. And I love the, I love the Fuji mainly for its size. It's just so compact. And that lens, the lens on it is just gorgeous. It's probably the, the highest quality lens I've ever owned. And with the Canon, were you using a 50 uh, as well? Or 50, uh, 50 I've used, I've had, like I was saying earlier, at any given point in time, I only would use just one lens. Mm-hmm. But when, for a long, long, long time, I shot with a 2470, but I never took advantage of that, that focal length range. I, I was always shooting at 24. And, um, and then uh, another photographer friend of mine gave me uh, the Nifty 50. He just gave me a yeah. little 50. Uh, and uh, shot with that for two or three years, and um, and then, but I missed the width that that twenty four millimeter focal length had when I was shooting the twenty four seventy. So that's why I went to a thirty five for right. this one. It, it basically gives me all the goodness of a fifty with a little more width. Right. And it just seems it seems to be. That's just sits right in the sweet spot of my aesthetic, but, but that's just me, you know. I, you know, I think it's great because I think so many people fixate on having a diversity of gear, having a bunch of different equipment, and as I've learned mm-hmm. from my own experience, eventually you just fall into just using a particular limited. Uh, selection of work over and over and over again, and then all this other stuff you just own it isn't necessarily serving what you're trying to do creatively. So it's great to hear someone who just works simply and, and knows that that's what they need. I just, I've always felt like if I had a big lens bag, or if I, you know, with, with 10 to 20 lenses to choose from, that's going to make me, it's going to take away from the focus of the, the whole point is to get a, get that photo, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be uh concerned about well, what would be the best lens for this particular shot and i'm trying all these different lenses and this to me that would just be frustrating i just like i like to keep it again keep it simple keep it simple as possible but I, I, it's just taken a few years but i think i'm i'm really enjoying this 35 but that may change i don't know right now i'm totally happy with the 35 how'd you come to start sharing what you were doing did people just start asking you i how do you do this do you mean like sharing it online or sharing how I do what I do? Yeah, you started you, how you do what you do because I know that you, you know, part of how you earn a living now is by selling these instructional videos where you walk people through your entire process. And I was, how, and I was just curious as to I mean, how that how that began. I had uh, I had one one of the places I got started shooting with models was uh, modelmayhem.com. And I would post all my work on modelmayhem.com and, and somewhere on the in the forums on that site, 
people were, there was a forum thread about me. Like, how, how, do, how does this guy do the colors? How does he get in his colors? And how is he doing the stuff he's doing? And there was all this <laughs> speculation about how I did what I did. All of it was wrong. No, no one nailed it at all. No one was even close. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I thought, you know, if there's that many people interested, I'm, I'm going to take advantage of that. And I just started offering classes and really essentially that was it and that's what started the whole thing oh okay so i was i started teaching and that's that's a for me it's a perfect thing because i get to shoot whatever i want to shoot whoever i want to shoot and i'm not worried about you know who's going to pay me for this photo right there's never ever a concern of mine it's i just know that that the more work that i put out and as long as it's work that i believe in it's like work that i'm proud of you know it'll it'll appeal to somebody who maybe wants to learn how i'm doing what i do and it's as simple as that really it's just fascinating how you just turned that that your own personal passion for the kind of work that you want you want to create and you created a means by which you can do just that because you talked earlier about when you're walking working and shooting at nascar you're heading to shoot a bunch of stuff that you just didn't want to shoot and you've created a, you've created the ability, you've created the exact situation that I think most photographers would love to have. They get to shoot what they want, when they want. They don't have to, you know, have to worry about some client not liking it and saying, oh, do it this way or do it that way. You're able to be of service to people by sharing them your techniques and how you do things. And it's like, it just ends up working out kind of perfectly for everybody. It's, it's. Yeah. I consider myself very fortunate in that way. And even when I get the commercial jobs that I get, which is, they're not many, you know, it's, it's, it's not often that I get commercial gigs, but when I do get them, it's usually asked of me just to produce what I produce. And I'm given great amount of uh, artistic license because that's what they're, what, what the clients are wanting is the look of what I do. You know, so I'm, I, I consider myself very fortunate there. So what are the things that people are often asking you? Because you mentioned when they were looking at your pictures, they were wondering about the color. But, you know, you've had the opportunity to teach for a while. What's the thing that keeps coming up? What, are the, what you know, what do people assume that you're doing, but then they're getting wrong and that you have to sort of teach them, whether it's with respect to the camera or, or what they're doing in Photoshop? If we sit aside the post-production part of it, because I get, you know, I get all manner of questions about the post-production part. But when it comes down to it, it when, you know, the actual taking of the photo, I think the, uh, the most common assumption is that I'm creating these poses for the models to do. Like, how do you, how do you get your models to do these poses? And that's, that's probably the most common question. Mm. And the thing is, I don't, I don't, pose people the best pose is to not pose someone at all ever you know and you you, you just get them to get them to move you, you're you're again is there's that word i don't like but you're you're capturing a a little moment during during a, a range of movements that they're doing and you know like if uh I'll, I will give instruction to whoever i'm shooting to do like walk from here to here or or pick this up and put it back down, get them to move and get them to do something. Don't ever have them sit there like a lump. I don't think that ever works out well for me. 
to have someone just sitting there. Occasionally it does. Occasionally that works out, but not it's not often. But that's probably the most common question that I get without, aside from the post-production. It's like, how do you pose your models? And the answer is simple. I, I don't. Mm. I don't pose them, never. And, and when you work with the images in, in post, in, in Photoshop, one of the things that you're really good at is in terms of pulling something out. You know, you take the girl, the hair, and all that other stuff out so you can you know, get your background as, and I look at that stuff. And for me, it's just like, wow, that is tedious work. It is tedious. It is tedious. I've spent, I've spent anywhere from, I'd say an average time spent, um, mm -hmm. you know, producing a final piece is, you know, a minimum of, you know, say four to five hours. I've spent over a month wow. on other photos. Uh, it just depends on the, the, the degree of, you know, how much detail am I trying to extract or, or, you know, compositing all the elements together. Sometimes these things don't happen overnight. They rarely, rarely do they happen overnight. It sometimes takes a long, long, long time for ideas to come together. So that's why I, that's why I can never charge someone by the hour because no one would ever, <laughs> no one would ever pay me for the inordinate amount of time it takes to put these images together. Yeah, because I was thinking about that, and from my own experience, sometimes I'm working on an image and I'm thinking about, nah, you know, but I'm, and I'm not investing that kind of the time that you are, and I go, man, I can only imagine the amount of hours you, you're probably putting into an individual image, and then to come to the realization that going, this is not working. Does that happen to you? Oh, that happens. Yeah, that happens. It does. But I it try to work as iterative, iteratively as possible, you know, no, knowing, knowing when it's not working is the trick. And, and usually I can recognize that it's not working. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully anyway, early on as possible. But yeah, I've, I've, I untold weeks of work have just been flushed. <laughs> oh, you know, I'll try and I'll try something and go, mm, yeah, there went three weeks. Okay, sorry. But at least, at least I don't look at it as time wasted. At least it helps me hone them a more specific idea yeah. of what to do with that image. So it's not a waste of time, but it does ultimately takes a long time to produce these things. But, often, more often than not, it takes a very, very long time. Are there moments when you're surprised? Surprised at, at what at, exactly? At you're working on something and that it you suddenly discover something that wasn't obvious to you before, or you see a, a direction that you hadn't really anticipated that makes the image potentially even better than you had imagined? I'm, I'm not surprised by that because I know that that happens. It happens all the time. So it's hardly, it's, it's hardly, it hardly surprises me when that happens. That's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. Is, you know, it's, it, it, is, it is an exploration and it, and it is a giant experiment. Because it's, it's rare that I have an idea for the finished photo in my mind when I'm taking the photo of whoever's in front of my camera. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, don't, I might think that I know, but it seldom turns out to be anything close to what I thought I might know it was. So it's just, it's just expected, I think. It's just the way it is. Were you surprised by the level of interest that... Uh people had in you and in, in your work because yes. you've gotten quite the quite the following i realized um I very surprised so yeah actually. i mean when did you realize oh there are a lot of people watching me it's i was i was shocked actually i um i i think the the 
it, it comes in doses. You know, I went fast. I went from uh, all I can do is is look at the numbers. Really, you know, after after Model Mayhem, I I went on and started. That was part of the the DeviantArt.com community, and um, uploaded a few photos there, and then was shocked to see that each of those photos that I had uploaded were in the, like some of them got over a hundred thousand views Wow! and people were, people were leaving comments and I, I didn't know what to think. I was, it was, I was happy. I knew that much, but I was like, wow, I just totally wasn't expecting that. I really wasn't. And, and I guess, the, I guess the numbers don't lie, but I, 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 I'm still kind of taken aback by it, to be honest with you. I appreciate it very, very much, but I, mm-hmm. sometimes I don't understand, you know, I don't, I don't understand, but I, I appreciate it. I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause I saw when you spoke at um, Google headquarters uh, a while back, yeah. um, that, that must've felt like a surreal experience. I mean, there, here you are doing something that you just enjoy for yourself that you're enjoying. Yeah, some people are taking your classes or learning from you, but it's another thing to all of a sudden go, hey, you, can you come and speak in front of a bunch of people yeah, and yeah. talk about yourself and your work? That, must that, was the, that was the first such thing I ever did, you know, being asked to speak at a thing. And then, then Google of all things, you know, I was very, very, very nervous during that talk because I didn't really know what I was going to talk about. And then the the people that brought me over there just said, just talk about what you do. That's all, that's all people want to hear. And that's, that's what brought you here was what you do. So just talk about what you do. Talk about why you did that. So I just, I just chose to do a, um, a discussion of, uh, this is the original photo and this is what it turned into, but I did it backwards. So, so here's the final photo, but look yeah. at what it started with. And I just spoke about where the ideas came from to to manufacture that final image but yeah that was that was quite a quite a thrill for me to get to speak at, at Google yeah it was quite fun i really kind of enjoyed uh, seeing that cuz it's cuz i don't do that kind of the kind of photography but every time i have a chance to sit down and watch someone go through that entire process it's it's really exciting you know cuz i get to uh, i get to see um, someone's creativity manifests in a way that I typically don't get the opportunity to see when someone is doing more quote unquote straight photography. You know, I mean, I get to see how you're seeing and how you're how you are experiencing the subject, the background, and the gelling of all those those two. It's 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 quite fun. Do you find that that teaching allows you to sort of tap into what you're doing in a different way that's that's as satisfying? It's interesting. I, I learn so much when I teach. And I think I'm learning about myself more than anything. Um, because I, ne- I never, when I'm producing one of these images that I produce, I'm not really thinking about it, to be honest with you. I'm just doing it. You know, I'm just sitting here listening to music and, and working on the image. And I, I never, I'm never analyzing it. I'm never breaking it down. But when I'm teaching, you kind of have to do that, don't you? And, and I'm hearing myself externalized as I'm hearing my own voice. Like, oh, okay, I didn't, I never thought about that. Mm. But I'm, it is at that point that I'm analyzing what I did, and it's only at that point that I analyze what I did. So in that, I learn. 
quite a lot when I teach. So it's, teaching is enjoyable for me in that aspect as well. That's very cool. So, does that answer your question? No, yeah, no, it does. It does. It does. I, okay. I teach as well, so I completely, I completely understand that that, that answer. Um, but my last question that I ask each guest is: I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore, and it can be anyone—someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So, who would that photographer be, and why? Um, I believe he's from Russia. I believe he's a he, for that matter. Um, he might not be. I just know his work from DeviantArt. That's where I encountered him first. His DeviantArt name is Oprisco. It's O-P-R-I-S-C-O. And he shoots some pretty amazingly imaginative things, but he shoots with film. And everything is everything that you're seeing is created in camera. You know, he doesn't do composites or anything like that it's all it's all on film and i just think that's wonderful his, his vision is there when he picked up the camera and i have so much respect for that it's unbelievable because I, I you know i i think i think of the photo that i take as a starting point not yeah. the finished product but he's producing the finished product when he starts and that's pretty impressive to me yeah, I'm taking a look at it right now. Oh, this, yeah, this is amazing. Beautiful, beautiful, wow. beautiful work. Great recommendation. Um, well, where, can, where can people go to find out more about you and uh, everything that you're doing? My portfolio is online on my website. It's just ibarrafoto.com. And DeviantArt is probably a good place to read read things that I write because I'm fond of writing a little the stories behind the photos that I take. There's not really a okay a platform for me to do that on my website. So um DeviantArt. So I am I am uh on DeviantArt. I am Jaime Ibarra dot deviantart dot com. So there's there's probably a, a good if you want to get into my personality for whatever reason, that's probably the best place to do that. But you know, my website is more just my 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 most proud of creations. But I think I, I, I inject a lot of personal things in my DeviantArt that you won't see in other places. That's very cool. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you making the time for me. Thank you. Thanks again for joining me. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app, available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8. Links for each can be found in the show notes and the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com, and our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. The Candid Frame is a member of TWIP, a network of photo-related podcasts. You can find more great shows on your favorite topic by visiting thisweekinphoto.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.